Alex Mosed, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle against big tech monopolies and how to fight back against big tech and win. We've got a great show today, and we're going to kick off with more good news in the never-ending battle against big tech monopolies. Um, as I say on the show, you are not alone. Everyone is waking up. Uh, we got startups here like Blue Palette that are taking their fight, working with traditional enterprises, right, on how they can work together to combat the tech monopoly. And now you have a great example coming out of Florida, and that is this article here with the Florida governor signing a bill to ban big tech deplatforming. If you remember on the show, uh, this must be a few months ago, we talked about what is going on, what Poland did, their justice minister over there, uh, basically providing protections and fines to the uh, big tech content platform monopoly. So a Google, a Facebook, et cetera, for uh, deplatforming creators. Again, when platforms reach monopoly scale, who do they take advantage of? It's not the consumer, it's the producer. In this case, for a content platform or a social media network, that's the content creator. The content creators are the ones that are ultimately squeezed, whether you're a creator on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, um, Google search, think about all the websites, right? That's all content. And the platform ultimately is squeezing supply uh, and putting their thumb down more and more on supply, taking advantage of it either monetarily or from a content uh, censorship thought police mechanism. So anyway, long story short, Poland really led this charge a few months ago. We saw Australia deal with this in their own way. Florida's kind of mapping somewhat to what Poland has done here. The legislation states that the platforms can only suspend accounts for 14 days and will be fined as much as $250,000 per day for violations. This is if you, I believe, are banning a politician, um, either a like state politician or, or locally elected politician. Big tech has come to look more like Big Brother. The other thing that it does, it's not just provide protections for politicians, but it also allows for um, any Floridian resident to sue tech monopolies um, if they are unfairly kicked off of the platform. Now, this is America and you can sue anyone for anything in this country. But what this is doing is it's showing a step in the right direction, which is that government is going to help provide some form of additional legal protection possibly, uh, or, or um, additional pressure of fines on the tech monopoly, possibly legal resources and, you know, i.e. lawyers, which get expensive fast, um, to help prosecute the transgressions by big tech monopolies in the content arena. This is a huge step in the right direction. This is the right way to try to have government step in and what this whole show is about, level the playing field, big tech. You got to protect the producers. You protect the producers. Ultimately, yes, you're protecting the consumer, but you protect, protect the producer. And that is the power source that the tech monopolies put their thumb on. That's the power source that they use to extract value, whether monetarily or just for control and influence and content censorship. That is the power source. So the more that government... Um, or uh, um, co competitors can provide protections and optionality for producers, the better. 
And that is the that is the Achilles heel for these tech monopolies. That is what we spoke about with Andrew Wilkinson as a mechanism to use um, you know, crypto and altcoins and decentralized finance as a as a subsidy to try and lure producers onto competitive marketplaces where they can get the coins and share in some of that appreciation of the value of the network and ultimately the value of the coin. So what, what are all the different ways, and there's a myriad of ways, that we can all, now that everyone's waking up, Big Tech just trying to make you think that you're alone. That's the next story. Everyone's waking up and recognizing what Big Tech is doing is not okay, and that we will win, and we will beat Big Tech, and we will level that playing field. And this is a great mechanism. Florida, step in the right direction. What is another example about Big Tech trying to silence you, trying to make you think that you are alone? is this recent story that just came out uh, about Facebook censoring comments or and or posts on Facebook and Instagram that you know rise that that raise concerns about the COVID-19 vaccine. And so basically the story is saying that you know Facebook has entire teams of people that are creating algorithms to rank your posts and to profile each individual user as how I think the term is covid hesitant they are how covid hesitant um or vaccine hesitant the user's posts are and the user is and then that will not necessarily deplatform the user but that will do the shadow banning um that will result in your comments and your posts getting less visibility. They say here, uh, the vaccine hesitancy ratings are divided into tiers 0, 1, and 2. Comments in tier 0 are an explicit violation of Facebook policy, while those in tier 1 are counted as alarmism and criticism. And um, tier 2 comments are indirect vaccine discouragement, which include shocking stories. Um, the algorithm would then assign comments in such tiers, a vaccine hesitancy or a VH score. Yeah, yeah, you read that right. And could be hidden from the most relevant comments section or even removed altogether. You know, this is a constant battle, right? So so if 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 now every state wakes up and says, hey, if you deplatform your users, your creators, um, we're gonna come after you, we're gonna find you, we're gonna give greater legal protection and lawyer resources and all these things to the citizens that are having their free speech rights violated. Mm, music to my ears. Then what you will see is the platforms, instead of deplatforming you and kicking you off, they will then just shadow ban you and have your posts and comments and everything be hidden or get a lot less uh, volume and usage on the platform. Again, there's no silver bullet here, but the point is, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> and the battle has begun. It doesn't get any more explicit than this, what Facebook is doing here to just, you know, let people have a conversation. You know, if, if anything, by silencing this information, it does the exact opposite, right? Because then you get stories like this. And then people, people are smart, okay? And that's the big problem here. When you try and silence people, they figure it out and then they become suspect of you, right? So, what you're now doing is is giving all the people that, you know, maybe there's no reason for them to be concerned at all. But by silencing this, you now actually give so much more credence to the counter argument to the people, these vaccine skeptics, 
um, which Facebook is trying to remove, you actually have now just enabled them. And you've actually just now empowered their message and given it so much more validity because now you show that the tech monopoly is actively trying to silence these people. So it actually works against you. And that's the irony of the whole situation. That's where we had the CEO of Library on and he was saying, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why would Facebook be so overly aggressive from a content censorship standpoint because you're you're actually doing my job for me. You're forcing all of these people outside of your walled garden because they're so sick and fed up with you. And we've listed and we will continue to list all the platform alternatives to content platforms and social media. Uh, this one is Odyssey. That's their video content platform. Uh, uh, all of our stuff is on Odyssey. Highly recommend you go check out Odyssey. I think ultimately the answer is that these tech monopolies are so big, Zuckerberg doesn't have control anymore. And you now have all these teams. You've got thousands and thousands of people that have to justify their existence, like a Facebook health team. And you know now their thing is, oh, well, we need to shape, shape public opinion, right? Sounds more like a media company trying to influence public opinion, right? And that goes back to, to close the loop on the Section 230 and the protections that these tech monopolies are given, and yada, yada, yada. The whole irony, and, and, and another irony, it's just a day of irony, with this whole thing is that, that you get, you get you know, the BBC and all these mainstream media outlets immediately poo-pooing what DeSantis is doing and saying, oh, this thing's going to be shut down, there's no way this is legal, yada, yada, yada. Why are they protecting the tech monopolies? It doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes sense. It's, uh, the world is upside down. But these tech monopolies have literally destroyed the media business's business model. Like single-handedly, they have destroyed your entire business model, yet you persist to protect them at all odds, at all ends. Real me that. Okay, next topic is another favorite on the show, China. You know, I said it's a day of irony. Yeah, this is, this is like irony now formed into oxymorons meet insane levels of hypocrisy. Every one of these contradictions that you can think of, yeah, that's what's happening in China. Look at this. China <laughs> hey, China calls out ByteDance, another social media platform, and LinkedIn for illegal data collection. 105 apps, including some of the country's most popular short video platforms, were put on notice by the Cyberspace Administration of China. I actually think that would be a good thing for the United States to adopt. The Internet Watchdog found the apps were illegally collecting and misusing personal data. Well, isn't that a shame? It's really great to know that the Chinese government really cares so much about its citizens' privacy and that they would be willing to go to bat for their citizens and rein in the unlawful data abuse that these big bad Chinese and U.S. tech monopolies. I can't even believe LinkedIn is included in the list. How, uh, how's LinkedIn even, even operating in China? Um, that's a whole other question. But they have 15 days to rectify this violation. This is the latest batch of apps to face scrutiny after new regulations from the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology came into effect on May 1st. Beijing has been working to stamp out personal privacy breaches in the world's largest internet market with nearly 1 billion users. I mean, it's laughable, but then you look at what Facebook is doing and you say, wow, 
Facebook is acting like the, like the CCP. Facebook is trying to influence opinion and shape opinion. It's literally what we've talked about with the 50 Cent Party doing, which we had General Spaulding on the show, right? Where, where they're literally staffing millions of people in China to go onto foreign social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. It happens to our videos all the time. And, you know, trying to write comments that shape our audience and, and many other people's audiences' opinions about, more specifically, about China. But it just goes to show you that we are in an information warfare. We are at war over information. And China is way ahead of the United States. But you now have the tech monopolies that are essentially waging their own battles, um, which is at the, at, at the whims of whom? You know, of, of Facebook's head of health and, and whatever that guy uh, thinks is appropriate and is not appropriate. And um, it, is, it is all about shaping opinion and trying to gain influence over how information is consumed and distributed and shared. And uh, yeah, you know, um, we are grossly behind in really figuring out what we as a country are doing in this respect. Wow, look at the parallels. Scary. So, good news. In support of a tech monopoly, is that YouTube is paying $100 million to people who make popular videos for its TikTok competitor. Great. YouTube Shorts is the product. Sundar, the CEO of Google, has said that they're, they're getting over 6 billion daily views already on short-form videos. Winner Take All has short-form videos. Go check them out. So we've been using the Shorts product. I think they're trying to... I mean, $100 million is pennies. I think the reason why they're doing this is because they don't really have a good way to interject ads in, you know, in between the shorts. Like they haven't really figured out the ad and monetization model for shorts. So they're saying, yeah, we'll just plunk $100 million down and help use that as an incentive because we haven't really figured out the business model of shorts yet. But hey, you know, we really want to push shorts and screw you, TikTok. And uh, here's $100 million, creators. Like, Give us all your shorts videos. Facebook also has launched Reels, and uh, and that's been picking up very well for them. And so you see this. Um, Snap has their own thing, which they, I mean, they've been doing forever, short form video. But you know, where where now you see a lot of these tech monopolies just trying to build it because their M and A has come under such greater scrutiny. And you still see some companies trying to eke through. M&A while they still can, which is smart because, you know, there's only been now increased scrutiny on it. I think that scrutiny will only continue to increase. Uh, tech monopoly M&A has been historically a much higher success rate for them to really create their next platform conglomerate kind of business model around. I mean, YouTube, case in point, they had Google Video it was failing and falling behind YouTube. And then um, they bought YouTube for like a billion dollars and Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars. It's kind of like the running price tag. And uh, Amazon bought Twitch for a billion dollars. So they're pretty good deals in retrospect, in hindsight. Anyway, in this case, we will cheer on 
YouTube to beat TikTok. More irony. Satellite view. What is that, might you ask? This is Apple's data center, or rather, this is China's data center that Apple is just using and like pretending that it's actually theirs. This New York Times article does a very good job of basically calling out that Apple is a big hypocrite. And, you know, I think if we take a step back here, what you got to just recognize is if you want to go do business in China, you have to come to terms with the fact that to do business in China, China is a place where your morals go to die, right? So if you have any semblance of, you know, ethics and, uh, you know, like a strong value system that you really want to stick by and it's really important for you personally and your company, don't go to China. Or for that matter, any totalitarian communist run country. Probably not going to jive with a strong Western value system, right? Exactly right. Because um, Apple, which Apple's whole shtick in the United States is privacy, right? Apple's rolling out the new operating system, which is going to, you know, really hurt Twitter and Google's business model and all, all the advertising based tech company business models. That's how they've pitched themselves. Hey, we don't monetize your data. Your data is secure. Privacy, 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 privacy. Then you go to China and this is their data center. And when you read the article, Tim Cook, Apple's chief executive, has said the data is safe. But at the data center in Guiyang, which Apple hoped would be completed by next month, and another in the Inner Mongolia region, Apple has largely ceded control to, oh, guess who? The CCP. Um, Chinese state employees physically managed the computers. Apple abandoned the encryption technology it used elsewhere after China would not allow it. And the digital keys that unlock information on those computers are stored, guess where? In the data centers they're meant to secure. Hmm, yeah. Um, not really much separation there. Basically, Tim Cook has had to take it on the chin and then some to do business in China. And a fifth of Ch Apple's business revenue-wise comes from China and certainly all their products are made in China. And, you know, China has the goods on Apple. And China's trying to get the goods on Elon, as we've covered on the show, and General uh, Spalding also highlighted on the show. But look at this one. This one, this one really stung. This one really stung and just said, ugh, like, Ugh, really? Really? Mr. Cook often talks about Apple's commitment to civil liberties and privacy. But to stay on the right side of Chinese regulators, his company has put the data of its Chinese customers at risk and has aided government censorship in the Chinese version of its app store. After Chinese, here it is, after Chinese employees complained, it even dropped the designed by Apple in California slogan from the backs of iPhones. Wow. And, you know, I actually didn't even realize that. You know, I, thought it, I thought when I was reading this article, I actually just looked at my iPhone. When I thought I was reading this article, I thought this was just for the phones sold in China. It's on all the phones. It's no longer even there on the iPhone that I bought in the United States. Oh, my God. These guys are so weak and pathetic.
And Buffett says that Tim Cook is the most skilled operator he's ever known. And Tim Cook doesn't even know if the app store is profitable, but he'll take off the designed by Apple in California slogan to placate the Chinese. It's gross. It's gross. It's pathetic. It's weak leadership. Mm. It's disgusting. Wow. Well, all I can tell you is that my last laptop I bought was not a Mac. And we're not buying Mac computers anymore. We're buying PCs. Yes, it's Microsoft. And it's another tech monopoly. But you know what? At least it's something. At least it's something. And the Macs are a ripoff anyway. Okay. Another tech monopoly. Amazon was sued by the D.C. Attorney General on antitrust grounds. Yeah, don't get your hopes up, gang. He's suing Amazon on antitrust grounds, claiming the company's practices have unfairly raised prices for consumers and suppressed innovation. Right there, you know. Yep. Mm, Turn off the lights. Don't really need to read any more of this. This is going nowhere because he's focused on trying to claim that consumers have been disenfranchised by a tech monopoly. Where has this guy been the past 25 years? Has he not watched? This show, clearly he's not watching the show, let alone any of the other stuff that the EU has been doing for the past 10 plus years. When you try and hit these tech monopolies and map it back to the consumer, you will not win. Where he is right, but this is where Amazon and the monopolies confuse all these politicians and lawyers that don't understand platform businesses. What he's doing is saying that Amazon, because Amazon required that you, if you're a third party seller on Amazon, you can't list your product for cheaper on another site. They had this, you know, this floor on pricing uh, contractually with their third-party sellers. That that is an antitrust issue, which is correct. That is an antitrust issue. But then what he tries to do is say, well, because you did that, Amazon, you disenfranchised consumers. That's the gotcha. Just forget the consumer. Just say, hey. You forced your sellers to give you the lowest price, and that is anti-competitive, and that is an antitrust violation because, not because of the consumer, because you're a monopoly, Amazon, and your sellers are your customers, as you have admitted in your own internal memos, and we have shown you on the show. Uh, I think it was like page 276 or something like that from the House Judiciary uh, uh, Committee findings on Amazon, uh, on on tech monopolies, uh, was that Amazon said our sellers are our customers too. It is what is in the book. Uh, It is a core tenant of the platform business model. They have not one customer base, but two. And the producers are a customer. Who pays Amazon when you buy a product from a third-party seller? Is Amazon making money from the customer? From the consumer? No. They're making money from the third-party seller. The third-party seller is paying Amazon, say, 20% of that sale price. The seller is a customer. Amazon was disenfranchising its customers, its sellers, its producers, all one and the same. And they're a monopoly because they control over 70% of the GMV on all marketplaces in the United States and, and certainly abroad. That's the case you need 
uh, district attorney general or, or district of Columbia attorney general. Uh, but he's distracted and doesn't get platform. So interesting, but not that interesting. Now this is interesting. So last one, Amazon is going to buy MGM. We were just talking on the show about AT&T. I mean, it was just such a dumb decision to buy DirecTV and, uh, and then double down, actually like triple down on it by buying Time Warner. But what we've talked about is when, when industries are faced with platform disruption, you tend to see consolidation, right? Uh, fragmented supplies, I was just talking about with Scott, leads to marketplace and, and platform disintermediation. If you can consolidate the supply, um, then you know, that will buy you some time at the very least normally. Problem, just like in the hotel industry, where the hotel industry has gone through massive consolidation it, uh, in parallel with the rise of Airbnb, is what you tend to see with the most dominant platform models is they create their own new version of supply, like with Uber and UberX, like with Airbnb and letting anyone rent out their home to become a hotel. And similarly in the media industry, where now everyone is a creator with my pathetic iPhone that doesn't even say it was designed in the United States anymore. Oh my God, I'm not going to get over this. Anyway, I digress. You see consolidation and now you're seeing, what, have we, what was I just talking about on the last show? You're seeing the tech monopolies, which have a new content platform model. Amazon has it with Twitch. They also have Prime Video. You're seeing the disruptors in, in the content industry try to embrace the traditional linear business model. They have both. And that's ultimately the strongest position to be in is to have a hybrid. Right, Amazon has 1P, where they have Amazon Basics, and they're buying and selling product off a of balance sheet. And they have 3P, third-party sellers. But the point is, you have both. Apple, they buy and sell hardware, and then they supposedly don't make any money on their app store, or, the, or, or Tim Cook is, is not sure, because he's just the smartest operator in the world, but he doesn't know if the app store is profitable. Oh my God, that company is frustrating me so much today. Hybrid business model, platform and linear revenue streams, right? That's the best place to be is both. Not one or the other, but both. That's actually been eBay's fault, right? They've only stuck with platform. Their thing is that they don't compete against third-party sellers. They don't have any 1P, which is good for the seller, not as good for the end customer, as you see on the buying experience on eBay versus what Amazon can provide. And ultimately, you know, for the value of the company, I'd say the hybrid model has been much better for an Amazon versus eBay, which is just stuck to 3P. You want to have a hybrid model, linear and platform. And none of the linear media companies are trying to figure out platform. All the platform companies are trying to figure out linear. Case in point, Amazon buying MGM for like $9 billion. That is, spells a recipe for disaster for who? The media industry incumbents. And it, you know, like it doesn't say that, you know, YouTube tried like YouTube, I think Red it was called, where YouTube is doing a lot of their own premium content, hiring and, and creating their own shows and paying for like premium content shows. And, and that eventually kind of shuttered. So it doesn't mean that they're just automatically going to figure it out, but it's saying you're, they're building the muscle memory to say, hey, how do we do user generated content and how do we do premium high end content and what is the convergence? And what's the model to do both, right? Because that's ultimately what the consumer wants is both. 
They don't want one or the other. They don't want all user gen and they don't want all high-end movie production TV series, but they want both. And how do you give that to the customer? Well, that means you got to do both. Why is it that none of the incumbents are trying to do both? They're just trying to do the same thing and consolidate and kick the can down the road. But none of them want to touch user-generated content. And that is the big gap that not only the traditional media incumbents, but Netflix too. That's why we've been a um, hawk and a bear on Netflix because Netflix is just a movie studio with better digital tech than the other guys. But the other guys being Disney and Paramount and Viacom and Time Warner, uh, the list goes on and on and on. In the platform model, the technology is ultimately a commodity and the power is in the network. The power is in the ecosystem. Netflix never built an ecosystem. No supply side ecosystem. Just really good demand and tech and distribution, which was good. It worked. They made billions of dollars. Okay. But I'm just saying not as powerful as a platform, as a dominant platform, as a platform monopoly. And you now will see that and have been seeing that in Netflix's stock price as Wall Street realizes everything that we've been talking about for like two years. Great show. Hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, that's it for us today on Winner Take All. I'll talk to you soon.